Hey guys, how are you? All right, good morning. Hey, listen, um, this is going to be an odd question. I don't know any way to get around this, but I just got to ask it kind of bluntly. Do you ever get a constipation of the soul? Aren't you glad I added three more words onto constipation? No, straight up, you know what I mean? Do you ever just feel like your soul is constipated? Like there's this good stuff in there, but it's not coming out properly. I, I know the analogy is getting worse and worse and degradating before our eyes, but do you know what I mean on this? Are you looking at me like I'm done, I'm already checked out, let's go home? No, seriously, you know what I mean on this? Where, where it's like there's, there's a soul block. Um, it's normal. If you've been following God for any course of your life, it is normal. You know what happens to us in, in, in worship leading and preaching too? And, and, and I've got a difficulty today. I've got a bit of a, I'm not making this up, but I'm feeling a little soul block. Like I need a little spiritual chiropractic. See, I've got to preach about Leviticus. And specifically, I have to preach about the purity laws of Leviticus. You know what these are? Like the food laws and... And, you know, the, the infectious disease laws and stuff like that. Like, rock on on that front, right? And, and i got to show you how Katy Perry can help us understand them better. And, and, and I've got, like, all of this converging. And, and, you know, sometimes it just doesn't want to come out. Can you just pray for me for a moment? Can we pray together? Maybe pray for your own souls in this journey we're about to take as well. Let's pray. Um, God, help, because we are a, a, a blocked-up people. Help, because your spirit is in us and it's alive. Um, and sometimes we're just afraid to let them through. We're, we're afraid to let you shine. We're afraid to get out of the way. We're hung up, God. We're, we're, we're just uh, overthinking it. Lord, shine through these people here today, maybe through me. God, God, lead us all to you. Help us to see who you are. Uh, we want you to shine. So if we can be the vessels of that, Praise be your name. Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. All right. Smack dab in the middle of the Torah. It's five books in the Old Testament, the Torah, right? Smack dab in the middle is that book right there, Leviticus. You ever try reading it? Yeah, right? No, I know. Because you get three verses in and it's done. Smack dab in the middle of Leviticus is this very odd collection of laws. It's these odd collections of commands that God gives that that are typically called purity laws. What you can eat, what you can wear, certain ways to handle certain things that are going to happen among the community. Really strange stuff. Now, this is actually what we're going to be talking about today because there's something just wildly significant and cool that God is doing through these, these commands that seem so just erratic and bizarre and strange on the surface, and that's where I want to lead you today and, 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 and really show you what I think God is trying to show us through Leviticus and how this can have just a tremendous impact on who you are and, and what it means to be the people of God today. Know what I mean? Now, the ones that I think we're the most familiar with are called the food laws, right? If you think of Jewish food laws at all, what are the things that you think of immediately, like eat, don't eat? What's a don't eat? Pork, pig, bacon, every good meat known to man is off limits, right? If it didn't get bad enough, add shellfish onto that. And if that wasn't bad enough, you can't eat camels either. What is going on in this world? 
Now, the term that people often use today to describe these food laws is called kosher. You've heard of this, right? Now, you can go to the grocery store today, and and, and without even knowing it, you will find food products that have a kosher stamp of approval on it. Anyone here have salt in their house? Okay, do you know the brand? Morton's, right? Look at a Morton's salt bottle. Have you ever really paid attention to it? I mean, first of all, it's emblazoned with this little phrase that says kosher salt, and you're like, good, because I was afraid. Right? Now, mind you, if you have iodized kosher salt, iodized Morton's salt, it's not kosher. But the non-iodized, it's kosher. Now, on kosher products, there's often a seal of some kind. And one kind of seal that comes up more often than not is this little star of David right here. You see that? Now, if you look very carefully, can you see how there's some kind of inscription in the middle of that? Let me blow it up for you. There it is. That's what it says. It is the Hebrew word. You read it right to left. Kashar. Kosher. Oh, you didn't have to say it, but well done. All right. Um, Kashar, kosher. It means something like this. Fit, adequate, proper, acceptable. It's not actually a biblical word. It doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from later Jewish thinkers and theologians and writers. But what it was was a word that was developed to, to, to kind of encapsulate not only what all those Levitical food laws and purity laws were about, but also their later development. What is fit for us as Jews, as the people of God? Make sense? Now, to be technical... Kosher really only applies to food laws. And that's Leviticus chapter 11. But 12 through 15 has these other purity laws as well. So by extension, we are going to use the word kosher to apply to all of them. To try to understand what are these laws about and which are the ones God says, this is okay, this, is, this, this isn't. Now, if you were to read through Leviticus 11 through 15, you would see that all of these laws fall into a basic pattern. There is a basic distinction that Leviticus is trying to make. Is something clean or is something unclean? Whether it's what you eat or what you wear or how you dress or chapter 15, which is just this riveting chapter on bodily discharges, what you produce... What makes you clean versus unclean? Let me give you a couple examples. I really want to encourage you to take a Bible out. And maybe as I'm speaking today, just familiarize yourself with some of these. But for time's sake right now, I'm just going to show you two. Okay? The first is this. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus 13, if you see the subheader, it says regulations about infectious skin diseases. So that, that's inspirational reading. If you join with me at verse 2, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a bright spot on his skin that may become an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. May I just say that if you have a swelling 
or a rash or an infectious skin disease. I don't need to see it. (laughs) The priest is to examine the sore on his skin. And if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, that's infectious. When the priest examines him, he shall pronounce him ceremonially unclean. If the spot on his skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to put the infected person in isolation for seven days. Now, if you're setting up a system here that's trying to make a distinction between clean and unclean things, this one kind of makes sense. Would you agree with me? Okay, here's something that no one really wants to catch. No one really wants it. You keep that to yourself. And you segregate them off. You isolate them or quarantine them. There's a certain logic between the distinction. Here's the problem. That's not how most of Leviticus works. Because most of these, these purity laws, these things that we're calling kosher laws, when you read them, you know, they don't have a logic like that. They're, they're, they're actually, they seem quite arbitrary. I'll give you an example. Flip to 11, chapter 11. Probably the most famous known of all of them. We'll start at verse 3. We're talking about food product now. You may eat any animal that has a split hoof, completely divided, and that chews the cud. You know, cud like grass, turf, herbivores. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof, but don't eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. Darn it! Darn it! Meals ruined. The coney, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. My gosh, what is a coney? Does anyone know what a coney even is? If you don't know what it is, don't eat it. Good rule of thumb. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. And here it is, the pig, the finest meat in the world, though it has a split hoof completely divided does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Are you seeing the distinction? There are things that are clean. There are things that are unclean. Stick to the clean. Sometimes it makes sense, like with the skin disease. Most of the time, It's completely arbitrary. Why not the pig? Or like, why the pig and not a chicken? I love how Keith said it last week. Why can we eat pig but not those salmonella-ridden birds? You know know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense at a fundamental level why some, not others, when we think about what it actually means to be clean or unclean. And that, my friends, is significant. That is a tell that God is giving you to show you that there is something deeper going on. Now, tucked into all of these purity laws, all these kosher things, there's all kinds of theology. There's all kinds of symbolism packed into deeper realities. 
And you can spend hours going through it, and it is fascinating stuff. Believe me, it really is. But what I don't want to have happen today is that we get down those rabbit trails or, or pig trails or whatever trails they are. I don't want us to get down those trails and, and miss a basic aspect of what's going on here. Because what all of these purity laws are doing, these kosher things, all of them at some basic aspect are simply doing nothing more than this. They are setting up distinctions. They are separating things, and by separating certain things, they are making them distinct. And when you make something distinct, you make it different. And by making something different, you start to give it an identity. Are you with me? Which means that for an ancient Hebrew, engaging in these things that touch on every aspect of their life, and I'm not just talking the big ways, all the little ways of what I can eat and what I can touch and where I can go and and what I can wear and what I have to do with the basic things that we all face as humans in this world, I am being separated out. I mean, it's inevitable. Because of all these things that I can't do that you can do, I am becoming distinct. And by becoming distinct, an identity is being forged for me. I am now a part as one who is noticeably different. You following this? And this was everything. I mean, for the the early Hebrews who practiced this, I mean, this was important, but for the Jews, by the time of Jesus' day, these purity laws, they were everything. They were their identity markers. This is what marks me. This is who I am. You gotta kind of climb into their psychology a little bit on this. Think it through. Because what these purity laws meant for the Jews was this. You know, everything God promised me can be taken away. I can be driven from the land that he gave to Abraham and my ancestors. Foreign nations can come in, burn down our temple, kill our king, overthrow our priesthood. The nation as we know it can be scattered and exiled and dissolved in a thousand different ways. But you know what you can't take away from me? My personal identity. And you know where that's found? In this. Because wherever I'm at in this world and what's ever going on in my land, I can still be different. These mark me. I am still a chosen child of God. Are you seeing the formulation of identity here? I mean, think about this. How do you know immediately when someone is an Orthodox Jew? You know, a Hasidic Jew. Maybe you're uh, up on the North Shore or north side of Chicago. Maybe you're uh, out at Skokie or Buffalo Grove or somewhere like that, and it's the Sabbath, and I don't mean Sunday. You're out there, and you'll see him walking to synagogue, right? How do you know immediately that's an Orthodox Jew? You notice what they look like. A certain kind of clothes. A certain distinctive hair pattern. 
If you spend any more time with them, you'll notice certain things that they'll, they'll touch and not touch, places they'll go and not go, things they'll eat and not eat. Their entire life becomes a living testimony. There is something distinctive and different about me. See that? Maybe to bring it a little bit more closer to home, how do you know immediately when someone is Amish? Is it because you sit down and you have a three-hour chat about their theology? You see the hat that they wear, the beard on their face, a pattern of clothes, who they'll associate with. And so all of these purity laws at some fundamental aspect forge identity. You know, I think despite what we say, most of us are kind of afraid to be different. It's a funny paradox to me. It's ironic that we live in a culture that celebrates uniqueness, but when it actually comes time to being unique, we are scared to death to do it. We tend to live as people that want to fit in, right? Don't you want to fit in? Kind of not be noticed? Just kind of belong? Not Leviticus. Leviticus is polar opposite of that. Leviticus is, no, you are different You are distinct. Don't conform. Don't fit in. The entire system is built to set it up. I want to give you an example of this. Let's kind of probe this a little bit deeper. You know Katy Perry, right? Okay, she's got a song. Do you not like no Katy? Thank you. Thank you. All right. I mean, I didn't mean personally. Let's use her as a case study. Think about her songs, right? Think about all popular music. I mean, you can go from Katy Perry all the way into the Disney empire. You can go into TV, to movies, you name it. There is a celebration in our culture of the individual. Be unique. Be distinctive. You be you. Whatever's in you, let it shine. Now, there's a song that she wrote. It's called Firework. If you were to lift, uh, look up the video online, half a billion hits. Not half a million, half a billion hits so far. That, that should tell you something right there. Now, this entire song is a gigantic anthem about being unique, about being different, about letting it shine. Now, okay, I gotta ask you, we gotta have a moment of like true confession here. Mark and I were setting this up. We're getting ready to like do this because we're gonna play her song in just a moment. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to like send him links and do we have to buy the song? And it comes out that, that Mark is actually a, a closet Katy Perry fan. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and the lyrics have been deeply moving for him. He has kissed a girl, he has liked it. Um, <laughs> You know, what is it about her songs just kind of gets in you? You know, now now we're about to listen to a song here. We're going to listen to a selection from Firework. And, you know, remember, the song is all about being different. Who here is a closet Katy Perry fan? Admit it and own it, per per, per Carrie Lore. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Own it loud and strong because her music just... I want to invite you to dance during this song, all right? You be you, because uh, baby, you're a firework, all right? I want to see your colors burst, let it shine, but what I want the rest of you to do is listen to these words. Listen to these words and listen to what she's saying, all right? Here it is. Firework. 
dancing thought we were only doing it one time didn't you you know just please someone told me that you recorded that for YouTube because you know and for those of you sitting down other than the one in the back going well you know I'm exercising my right to be different by not dancing you know it was burning in your soul because what is the song about be different be unique be yourself, because you are absolutely awesome. So let it shine. Let's, let's, actually, let's actually study the lyrics, all right? Here they are. Because baby, you're a firework. Come on, show them what you're worth. It just doesn't have the same magic when you say it, does it? Make him go, ah, ah, ah. As you shoot across the sky, ah, uh, ah. Uh. I'm sorry, maybe it's just my OCD, but does it bother anyone else in this room that that doesn't rhyme? Because, baby, you're a firework. Come on, let your colors burst. Make him go, ah, ah, ah. You're going to leave them all in awe, awe, awe. It's just, oh, Katie. Because these are particularly meaningful lyrics to us all, would you say them with me? Boom, 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 even brighter than the moon, moon, moon. It's always been inside of you, 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 and now it's time to let it through, through, through. Ah, oh, it rhymed at the end. You know what this is about? It's Levitical purity laws. <laughs> you are different. You are distinct. There is something special about you that has been separated from the groupthink norm. Let it shine. Now make a shift. Make a Levitical shift. Because in Leviticus, it's only half true to say that this is about the purity laws. It's about something deeper than that. It's about this. 
God is unique. God is different. God is absolutely awesome. It's like the song in Leviticus would sing like this. Because baby, he's a firework. He's going to show you what you're worth. He's going to make you go, ah, 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 as he shoots across the sky, ah, ah. Because baby, he's a firework. So come on, let your colors burst. Levitical purity, let your colors burst. Make them all go, ah, 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 because God's going to leave them all in ah. Ah, uh, ah, uh, are you getting it? Are you getting it? Did you know that Katy Perry was Levitical? <laughs> it is the heart and soul of what these purity laws are about to make you distinct, separate, special, holy. And the effect of all of this was to be missional. The effect of all of it was that other people would see. They would notice you as much as we notice a Hasidic Jew. They would notice you as much as we notice an Amish. They would notice you, and maybe they would jeer, and maybe they would sneer, and maybe they wouldn't understand, but eventually they would notice you and they would go, there is something different. What are these people about? Why is this so important to them? What is it at work? in their lives. See, I think we forget this. You get into Leviticus and you get kind of lost in this quagmire of all these rules and these relationships and we forget how God actually starts the book. See, it doesn't start at Leviticus 1. It starts back at Exodus 19. It starts at Exodus 19 when God meets those people on the mountain and he starts laying out a a, a vision for them. He starts laying out a trajectory that all of these laws, including these strange Levitical purity things, are meant to play out. Let me show you what it says. He comes to Israel and he says, out of all the nations, you can hear it now, can't you? You're different. You're different and you're special. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You know what holy means? It doesn't mean like righteous. It means separate. Out of all nations, you're going to be different. You get to Leviticus 11 through 15 and you're like, yeah, we're different. Different in every minute way. You know what a priest is? It's not a guy who wears a little white collar and a and a black shirt. That's what Keith was talking about last week. It's a middleman. It's a guy who's meant to bring God's good and gracious love and forgiveness to you. That Israel was meant to be a tool in the hands of God to bring God's blessing to other people. It flows out of something that, that, that God promised them earlier to their ancestor who started it all. What's he say? I'll make you great, I'll make you special, I'll make you chosen. I'll bless you. Abraham, you're going to be different. And I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And what's the last line? And all people's what? Blessed through you. I will make you different so that I can bless other people through you. I will make you different so the nations will see you. 
I will make you different so they can't ignore you or deny you. I will make you different because by making you different, maybe they'll see that I, the God of the universe, am different too. That I am special and I can make a difference in you. I mean, and once you pick up on this, it's like it explodes through the Old Testament. I mean, here out of Isaiah, these are the nations speaking, not Israel, the nations. What are they saying? I want that. Let's go to the mountain of the Lord. I want, I want what's there. They had mountains, they had temples, but I don't want those. I want that God. Let's go to the house of the God of Jacob. Why? Because he will teach us his ways. We want to walk in those paths. That's why, like Isaiah later will say stuff like this. You, you Hebrews, you Israel, you are a light for the Gentiles. As Katy Perry would sing it, let your colors burst, right? Israel, you're a firework. Israel, let your colors burst. Leave the nations going, ah, ah, ah. I'll leave them all in ah, ah, ah. I'm sorry, I just can't rhyme it. You know, it, I one tooth. Hey, 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 there we're back. Did you come up with any like profound answers? Let me ask it again. What is your identity marker? What marks you? What makes you unique, separates you, makes you special as a a chosen people of God? Because you know, for Jesus, it wasn't what you would eat or touch or wear. It was something more profound. And so for those earliest followers of Jesus, Their identity was no longer forged in what I could eat or not eat, what I could touch or not touch, what I could wear or not wear. It became forged in something deeper. Do you know what the identity marker is for New Testament people? It's probably not what you'd think. The New Testament will call it faith. Faith is the new sign that you are different, that you are special, that you are chosen that you are unique, a radical, loyal commitment in faith to say, this is the God I serve, even if no one else does. And I tell you, that's what's going to be noticeable. That, that's what's going to make you shine, and that's what, what God says he's going to work through, that when the people of the world sneer and conform, and, and you say, but no, you know what? You might think it's a fairy tale, but I believe this. I believe that this this God came down and that Jesus is who he says he is. I I believe it. And they look at you like you're weird, but there's something different there. It's this faith in him that when you face the exact same things in this world that everyone else does, pain, disease, death, struggle, cruelty, divorce, There's a rock there. There's a foundation there. There's something that transcends what other people don't have. And it's like, how are you getting through? Well, let me tell you about this God who's come and made such a difference to me. It's a faith that that says when when everyone else in the world engages in things that that to them seems harmless or, or what's the big deal? You go, no, no, my God has called me to this way, to this path. He says, there's a certain thing called right and wrong and I just can't do this or I just have to do this. 
and they look at you like you're weird, welcome to what it means to have an identity for the New Testament people of God. Faith became the sign of everything. And I want to challenge you with that. I want to challenge you to let that faith mark you, no matter how different it makes you. Let me share one closing thing. This, this comes from some of our, 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 our vision and mission documents here at, at, at FOF, and it, and it says this. We're not interested in playing church, nor are we interested in a compartmentalized faith that has little effect on the totality of our lives and little regard for the presence and call of the living God. We believe the way of Jesus is all-encompassing, and to confess Jesus is Lord means complete surrender of our entire lives to him. Read the rest with me. We want life transformation and are interested in a deeply devoted relationship with God, not being cultural Christians. As such, we will be bold and unashamed in this desire, challenge, and call. Because that's what purity laws are all about. And that's what faith encompasses too. So guys, let it mark you. God has an amazing identity here for you that's unique and special and different. Let it shine. Because Israel, you're firework. Let your colors burst. Make them go ah, ah, ah. I can't do this with a straight face. <laughs> but you hear me, right? Let God leave them all in awe. 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 Let's rise. Easier said than done, right? All right. You know what's cool about God? I don't care who you are. Maybe you've been hiding underground. Maybe, maybe you've been afraid to let your family know that you're a believer. Maybe you've been afraid to, to, to let people realize that, 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 that Jesus has become something more than a hobby for you. Maybe you're afraid to let it shine out of you. Maybe you're afraid to let it mark you. You know what God says to you each and every day? Come back to me. I forgive you. Let's start anew again today. Maybe you need to start anew again today. And I want to invite you into that. Let it start right here. I just want to invite you to, to maybe bow your heads, close your eyes, come to God on your own in this, but ask him to renew that commitment. Ask him to shine through you. Ask him for forgiveness, for putting a damper on it, for masking it, for hiding it. And if it's brand new, ask God to begin it in you today. Lord, we come here as a bunch of conformists. We celebrate individuality. And when it comes to what makes us most unique of all, God, so many of us here, we're afraid and just want to fit in. Ah, oh, forgive us. God, forgive us. You are the most incredible thing in this universe. And what you want to do in us and through us will shine like nothing we've imagined. God, may we not be afraid to let it through. Shine through us. Let the world see who you are and the difference you make. Amen.